Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to Be The Change, a podcast of conversations with true visionaries who are creating new paradigms for a healthier planet and society. I am your host, Christine Demick, and my work is in finding real solutions to the biggest problems we face today, climate crisis, capitalism, social injustices, and our failing health. There are amazing humans out there that have answers, and it is my mission to have their voices heard. Together, we can raise consciousness and create a just and equal society. Together, we can be the change. We go to a doctor when we are sick, but why don't we go to a doctor to stay well? Megan Adams Brown asked herself this question. She is not just a holistic health coach, but a food detective. She looks at your blood tests, your diet, and your ailments, and creates a plan for optimal health and wellness. After years of thyroid issues, she was able to bring my energy levels up where no one else could with just food in one single day. Of course, this knowledge came from her own battle with an autoimmune disease. And today we will discuss food as medicine, what makes her such an incredible food intuitive, and how we can do this for ourselves at home. I'm so excited to have you on today, Megan. <laughs> oh, thank you, Christine. I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation. Oh, you know, we can talk together about this. This is a subject that we both love. And I mean, there's so many things that I want to ask you today. But first, let's start with what brought you here. Like, you had an autoimmune disease. And yes. can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, in my early 20s just out of college, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and I just had pain in my feet. You know, I was a runner and I thought it was that. So I went to a podiatrist and went through the whole, it's hard to diagnose, you know, anything autoimmune. So it took a while and it turns out that's, that's what it was. Wow. And then they immediately, I guess, gave you medicine and, and put you on that track in your twenties. And did you just start taking it? And what led you into where you're at now? Yeah, I was on that track and it was fine. It was well-managed and I would have the occasional flares, you know, especially at times the, uh, the weather would change or stress, right? But I had a few pretty bad ones and I'd always end up on prednisone. And this was also, Christine, you know, in your early 20s and you're living that Right. Yeah. And I did go see a healer, you know, someone who, who suggested diet and introduced me to the whole idea of this potentially stemming from the gut. And I remember at that time, it's wild to look back on that. Now that being so foreign, like what? No, my, it's my joints. It's in my hands. It's in my feet. What does that have to do with my gut? Made no sense. It took me a while to come around to this whole idea. And once I did, it was a book. It was Spontaneous Healing by Dr. Andrew Weil, that book. That book like just lit off all the light bulbs. And it was like this, why is this not out there? Like, why does it feel like I had to find this underground? Sure. And yeah, that was just what 
what kind of set me off. And then did you find that you were, after reading this book and everything, I'm, I'm guessing that you were able to find that the food started to heal you. Like you were able to reduce and not have episodes as much, right? Exactly. Yeah. It was really, the medications were doing what they could do. And it was like when they were combined, it was a hundred percent. So what I've found, so I, I've been to doctors, many doctors, traditional, holistic, in between. None of them, none of them have ever asked me about my food intake. We might discuss dairy or gluten, but there's really zero focus on gut health. Maybe, you know, if my practitioner, like I would have like a, I don't know, sinus infection, she'd give me antibiotics and, you know, make sure to take probiotics with it, but no explanation as to why, right? And so then I mentioned in the intro with everyone, so I have, um, I have a thyroid disease, I have Hashimoto's, which I believe I got from either had it or I, I got it from, it was increased because I, I had radiation from breast cancer. And so all my blood levels were good, but I still always felt like lethargic. And none of the four doctors, and I've seen many thyroid doctors, about four of them, ever took a look at my diet. And I come to you <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm asking, you know, I, I feel pretty good. I do. I feel like, you know, after I have cancer, I really, you know, I took that whole deep dive into my diet and looked at autoimmune and sometimes gluten-free, sometimes not. But I said to you, Megan, you know, I'm, I do get tired and it, it doesn't, the gluten doesn't seem to be the trigger for that. And I don't have dairy. And you brought up selenium. No one had ever brought that up. Now, this is a major mineral needed for thyroid health. And I was like, oh, should I get a supplement? And you said, no, you're going to take Brazil nuts. So anyhow, I added Brazil nuts. And literally overnight, Megan, my, my thyroid, like I had energy. I could feel it. And so I'm going to ask you, like, why don't doctors note this? Like, what did it, you know, I mean, I'm glad that I, it brought us together. Yeah. But why don't doctors have this knowledge? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. I know it, it is simply not part of the model. Yeah. It's just missing. It's the missing piece, really. I mean, you look at how doctors are trained and doctors are wonderful, amazing, and so needed. And thank God that we have them, right? Unfortunately, they're in medical school they get like one class, you know, if even that. And I want to say that's changing. There are more programs now that like integrative medicine and lots of other approaches, right? But traditionally, nutrition hasn't been a focus. Not at all. And I went to, and normally it's like they pass you off to a nutritionist and even nutritionists don't have this information. I've been to a nutritionist and she just gave me the basic, like cut this back, cut this back, but no, no reason why. No, didn't look at my blood tests, you know, looked at my sugar levels, but didn't look at my blood tests, which you immediately did. And you were able to look at it like a doctor would, which was incredible to me. My own doctor, She's practices integrative medicine as well, but still never brought up the selenium ever. Wow. And I don't think that it's just in the U S right. I think this is kind of everywhere. Right. 
Yeah. So yeah. one of, I had an opportunity to speak with Dr. Bruce Lanfear, who's going to, I'm going to interview him soon. And we were discussing this as well, how there's no focus on prevention. Right. So there's focus on curing it and the focus on the medication and maintaining the disease, but no yeah. focus on the prevention of the disease. Well, and when you really look at the model, it's designed to treat you when you have a diagnosis. It's looking for something to diagnose. So you need to be, you need to check all the boxes to get the diagnosis, to get the treatment. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't, right. So in, in between that, in between wellness and sickness, there's a whole area of gray and so much gets missed in that area of gray. And I think particularly for women or complicated, yeah, like, <laughs> wonderfully complicated, right? but it does, you know, like I hear so many times fatigue, brain fog, just this maraud of symptoms that don't perfectly fit into a box. You have X, so we do this. And that's really what we do from a functional perspective. We look in that gray area. So a lot of things that may get missed on a typical lab report because it doesn't get flagged as high or get flagged as low, it may not be optimal. And something to really consider there, those reference ranges that you see on a lab report, those are based off of population data, off of 95% of the population. So you're really comparing yourself, your lab markers to the population. When you consider six out of 10 Americans have a chronic disease these days, you don't want to be average. You want to be above average. Right. You want to be optimal. So for the markers that you want to be on the high end, right? Especially your nutrient markers. A great example is like B12, magnesium. And we're not usually looking at these markers either, but we do from this functional perspective, right? You want those to be in the upper quadrant, in that upper three quarters range. But if it's lower than that, it's going to be fine. You're fine, right? How many times have you gone to the doctor and you get all the labs drawn and all you get is a note back? All looks good. You're fine. See you in six months. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not to say that that's bad, right? It's looking for it's looking for disease. It's looking for something to be treated. And it's just not designed to treat in the gray, to not optimize health. Right. And I think one of the other disconnects that most doctors and a lot of nutritionists for that matter are unaware of is that our farming system's messed up. So we have over tilled our land. We've used so many pesticides and so many added fertilizers to boost the soil. But what this has done is taken down the actual nutritional value of our food. So yeah. a carrot today does not have the same nutritional value as it did in 1940 yeah. or 1970 for that matter. And we're getting less nutrients from our food, which is why people have to supplement and which is why it's so important to eat organic, right? Well, and why you saw such a dramatic difference with those Brazil nuts. Yeah. That's amazing. I still can't get over that. <laughs> how was, great that worked for you. 
Personas are the highest, the most potent source of selenium. And selenium is one of the minerals that unfortunately is so depleted in our soil now. Yeah. It used to be a lot of foods were high sources of selenium. Are there ways to test that? Yes. Yes. I'm not sure. Selenium level? Yeah. I just wonder why. And you can do like a whole, a whole nutrient panel. You can. Why didn't any of my endocrinologists do that? Yeah. You know, never, never, not even my own doctor. Well, and you know, the standard treatment for anything thyroid, if it's Hashimoto's or hypothyroid, is the synthetic, right? Um, You are giving T4. Right. Well, often the problem for a lot of people isn't low T4, it's having trouble converting T4 to the active thyroid form T3, which happens in two places. Well, two ways. It happens in organs like the liver, the kidneys, and other tissues, and also inside the cell. And that conversion that happens inside the cell, we can't test for it. So sometimes you might look great on paper, but if you have trouble converting it inside the cell, then you're going to have low thyroid hormone. It's, it's crazy. And the organs, like now, given our exposure to toxicity, just and stress and everything, I mean, our liver is, you think what our liver does for us, right? Yeah. And if there's any kind of fatty liver, right. it's so common now. I mean, kids get, <laughs> kids have fatty liver these days. That's crazy. And if your liver isn't in good health, you're going to have trouble converting that hormone. That, that's crazy. Can you tell me a little bit about like your thoughts on gut health? And I, I just read this, this book on mycelium, on mushrooms, right? And it's by Merlin Sheldrake. I'm looking it up right now, okay? And the book is called Entangled Life, How Fungi Makes Our Worlds. And what is really incredible about this book, Megan, is that he discusses the mycelium network that's underground in all our soils and that talks, right? Mm -hmm. He's saying that that's what our gut does, that we have our own mycelium network in our gut. Let us like talk. Uh And I know the test isn't there yet, I'm super excited when they're able to do this. So right now we're throwing in probiotics and we're taking guesses of what we need, right? What bacteria we need. But soon there will be probably a fecal test where we can tell like how our gut health is. Right. And you specifically, Christine, what you, your unique, you know, our guts are like our thumbprint. When are we going to get that? I know, right? I'm can, can we have this now, please? Okay, I, I think that's going to change the world when we have that. Absolutely. Have you heard about the toilet? No. Have you heard this? No, tell me. I feel like I read an article or someone told me about this, like a toilet that analyzes your stool on a daily basis and gives you food recommendations. You're this kidding. Is a future, Christine. Is it for sale yet? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't know. Uh, But I do think it is the future. I think, I mean, that's, it's valuable information that we need and could probably solve a lot of this. So how do we keep our gut healthy? What are some of the things that you recommend? I'm so glad you brought this up because it really is, it's such a cornerstone of health, whether you have health issues or not. 
it's really the door to prevention to optimizing your gut health. So I think the key thing to understand about gut health is diversity is boss. Like you want maximum diversity. There have been studies done that looked at uh, the microbiota is what we call the population of bacteria, good and bad, that live in our gut. When I say bad bacteria, I like to think of them as like on the oh, yes. playground. Like yeah. they're all playing together, right? Right. And you want like the good guys keeping the bad guys kind of cowering in the corner, right? Yeah. Like things like candida and H. pylori, these are indent. Like we have these. The problem is when they become overgrown, when they take over and become the bullies on the playground. Okay. We want that harmonious balance and diversity is really the key there. So when I mentioned the studies, what they looked at, they looked at the microbiota of someone in like suburban anywhere USA, America, right? And someone in like a third world country, right? Mm-hmm. And the one in the third world country had such greater diversity compared to that sterile environment. You think of how of how we live today, our pristine lives, then that really has an effect on that diversity. And also our diet, what we're eating, the more diverse our diet is, we're really designed to eat a plethora. I mean, so much. And you think, I mean, even I'm guilty of this. I go to the store and I buy often the same thing. You know, you get in your routine and you're grabbing the onions and the broccoli and the celery and like, you know, I'm just rattling off like the things I buy every single time I go to the store. But at like one really easy, simple thing you can do is every single time you go to the store, pick up something totally new that you don't usually get or a couple of things. Always be changing that up because the more diversity, those plant fibers are the food that feeds those guys. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that's super cool. And I think back to that diversity. I mean, diversity is key in everything, right? In our lives, in our society. I know it's all like the parallels. I love it. Yeah, it is. The parallels are amazing. And as you're saying, the people in, in the developing countries who they have better gut health, you know, because it isn't so clean and pristine. And, and you look at that and how do you deal with that during COVID here, which is where everyone is like hand sanitizer. Like I never used hand sanitizer before. I didn't let my son use it. I said, you should always wash your hands. But now of course it's a different story and you know, you're dealing with a, a pandemic. So what do we do there? That is such a good question. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I think about this every day. I am concerned. I'm deeply concerned about our future long-term health with the changes that we're making to our everyday lives right now. I mean, I send my girls off to school and they give them hand sanitizer before they walk in the door. Like two times a day, at least they're getting hand sanitizer. At least. And I was the mom at their old school that had them get rid of the hand sanitizer. Same. (laughs) And even the CDC, I mean, you go to the CDC website and it says that antibacterial soap is not proven effective, right? That the best way to get rid of germs is to wash your hands with soap and water. But of course you can't always do that. So in those situations, you use hand sanitizer when you can. And I always just tell people to look for the cleanest in terms of ingredients, Mm -hmm. right? That you want. And just to try to minimize it, you know, when you can wash your hands, 
So if you are at home quarantining is don't use it at home. Don't use the hand sanitizer at home. It's really not necessary. Just use soap and water, right? Wash your hands really good. And really you want, you're getting it off. You're not killing anything. You're rinsing it off. You're scrubbing it off, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And then do the things that, that are offset. I think if we consciously make an effort to do the things to counterbalance, right? To eat the diversity of plants, to support, to continue supporting that diversity, eat fermented foods like real sauerkraut, miso, kimchi, love kimchi, get outside, the best, the best thing, like have a garden, get outside and like get, get dirty. Like kids, especially because that's how they develop their microbiome. It's really when you think about it, you think of how we grow up, we grow up having to crawl and that's by design because we need to get that exposure. That is what introduces us to this world, this world of microbiota because really what's in us, our world, that whole microcosm that outnumbers ourselves 10 to one is the same as what is in your garden, as what is in the earth. Isn't that incredible? I want you to read this book. I'm two chapters into it and I've already like writing on the sides and like (laughs) blowing my mind. It's super incredible to have that connection. There's so much I've read, you know, Lynn Margulis, who's a scientist. She was married to Carl Sagan. You don't really know about her. You know about him, but she was the one who really brought us into symbiosis and how different species need one another to survive. And it's incredible. It's incredible. I think we're getting onto good things with all of this. You know, I want you to tell us, uh, everyone listening is dying to know, like, what are some of the things that most people are missing in their diets, like, you know, or should look at if they can't come to you, maybe have D3 levels. I'm big on D3. I think that everyone processes it differently. You should insurance doesn't pay for it. They should, but we should have our D3 levels checked every year, at least once a year. What are some things you automatically know people should do? Absolutely. I'm glad you brought up D3. That is so important, especially in these times of COVID. We know that lower D levels are associated with higher risk of getting anything. That's really what cold and flu season is. You think it happens in the winter when our D levels drop because- We're not outside as much and the sun just isn't as strong. So always getting that and you want it really in that optimal range, you know, the well above 30, you know, mm-hmm. closer to 40, 50, 60. So I forget deep, where mine is. I have to, now I'm going to go look. It should absolutely be an annual check, right? Yeah. Along with D is important magnesium because we need magnesium to process the D and magnesium is like the number one deficiency. Now going back to what we were saying about soil depletion and stress, stress, magnesium. So a girlfriend of mine had, she was suffering from terrible panic attacks, anxiety, not necessarily depression, although that could be part of it. She had had COVID worried about getting it again. You know, there's so much we don't know about it. Anyhow, long story short, she upped her magnesium and is so much better now. 
Wow. Yeah. So much better. So magnesium, how can we get that? It's easy to get magnesium, right? I mean, we don't have enough, but we are easy to supplement, right? I recommend magnesium glycinate. That is the most absorbable form and is the best for stress for that muscle relaxation. Anytime like cramps, muscle aches, stiffness, things like that, sleeping, great for sleeping. Whereas magnesium citrate isn't as absorbable, but is a great laxative. Like oh. if you're constipated, magnesium, you the magnesium citrate. citrate. But yeah. if you want less anxiety, sleep better, magnesium. Glycinate. Glycinate. And this is a pill? Yes. Capsule. You can probably get it in powder form and could add it to a glass of water, smoothie, something like that if you don't like doing caps. What do you think about the sprays that people put on after, you know, yes. is that a good one too? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Especially like we were talking about with gut, you know, if there are issues with the gut, you could have trouble absorbing. This is another reason why magnesium deficiency is common. Like we need good, strong digestive fire. That's how I think of it like an Ayurveda, right? You need that roaring fire to digest your food, to extract the nutrients. And what happens is you just think like we eat the most hard to digest food combinations in the world here in America. You know, you put like the meat and the bread, that's really hard on our digestion, right? And over time that it just kind of turns down, kind of turns down. It also has to do with the liver, like they work together, but when it gets turned down, you're not going to be digesting your food as efficiently. And that means you're not going to be getting those nutrients out of the food. And this is where we see low B12, low magnesium, low zinc, especially those those, uh, like B12 and zinc that we get from animal protein, because think how difficult it is to digest animal protein. If you don't have that good strong stomach acid, it's not as simple as we are what we eat. We are what we digest, break down, absorb, and get into the cell. And if there's a breakdown in any part of that, we're not getting it. Is there a quick way? I imagine not, but is there a quick way to increase our absorption or to understand how to absorb it? To understand how to absorb it? Well, like if we're not absorbing it, so say like we, you know, I guess maybe it's testing, but for like D3, we all absorb it differently. And you're just saying magnesium. If we're all absorbing these nutrients differently, how do we know we're getting enough or not enough? Right. That's a good question. Yeah. So just like you brought up the topical for the magnesium, things like that, like magnesium and B12 too, you can do that topically, sublingually or a lozenge for something like B12 or zinc for magnesium. I love doing Epsom salt baths. That helps, Magnesium. Yeah. Easily absorbed through the skin where other things are not, right? Yes. Yes. That I know. What about zinc? So zinc, I started taking zinc because I I became a plant-based eater, right? And when I I got rid of red meat, chicken, pork, all that, right? My nails, what's called bow nails, and they start getting ridges. And I looked it up and they said, oh, it's a zinc deficiency. It's a sign of a zinc deficiency. So I started taking zinc and within a week it came up. Now everyone's taking it for like COVID. What's the deal with that? What does zinc do? Zinc is what stops a virus from replicating. So maintaining adequate zinc levels 
is going to help stop that. And then taking zinc, like if you start to feel something, mm-hmm. right, taking zinc can kind of help to just intervene in that process, right, and help stop it. I mean, I, I'm not a doctor, right? I don't want to give exact anything like that, but that's part of the role of zinc. So, Megan, if someone was working with you, what is your process? How do you go through it? Like if someone comes and I know you kind of intake people, there's a huge, more than, again, any of my doctors ever asked me, you ask all these questions and what's the process? Yeah. I always start with a consultation where we take a look at your health history. I have everyone fill out a health history form and a symptom questionnaire. And I take a look at those labs right away too. And see, I, I kind of come up with what I think is going on right? Or where we would start. And we walk through that. I usually have a ton of questions, just like you said, and experience. And we talk through, I get the story, story. There's so much information in the story and the time, you know, what was going on around that time that you were diagnosed with that. All of that is important. There's a huge emotional component to any kind of ailment in the body too. So Really? Can you talk a little bit about that emotional component? Yeah. When people have an emotional component, right, to their illness, what can that do to the illness? Does it exacerbate it? Does it make it worse? Or So a big part of an emotional component is often stress. We can have stress that's obviously emotional stress, also physiological stress, right? And it's usually the combination, like the perfect storm, right? Of things coming together. And often it can be that emotional stress of like the straw that breaks the camel's back. I often hear, I talk with a lot of people just having my own history of autoimmune disease. I work with a lot of people with autoimmunity and it's a very common thread. There's something that sets it off, whether it is like a loss or a car accident or surgery. And in my case, it was a surgery. I had my appendix taken out and I was having pain really soon after. Wow. And then things accelerated as I entered the work world. And for me, I think I suspect part of it was a misalignment with my heart with my purpose and what I truly wanted to be doing. And I think, you know, often I think disease in a weird way, you know, our bodies are always talking to us and it usually starts out as a whisper. And when we don't listen to it, it gets louder, 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 and louder. And I really haven't shared this with many people because it's been sort of a new revelation but I started working and this was, you know, I went into the corporate world and I wanted to go into journalism. I wanted to move to New York and, you know, do something else. And that was when it moved my hands. And I think, you know, I was in a, a, a cubicle typing and then it went to my shoulders. I don't know, but knowing what I know now and looking back and putting the pieces together, was that my body just screaming at me? And, you know, now doing what I love and I feel as though I'm living my purpose on this earth, 
I feel better than ever. So I love that. That's divine intervention. Oftentimes we don't think about, I'm a firm believer in that, you know, what we think is what we're meant to do or where we're meant to go. And then something happens and then you just don't realize it. And you're like, oh, wow, that was purposeful. That was definitely purposeful because uh, no doubt you'd make a great journalist, but you're now using that investigative talent to look into, you know, food and our system and to help others. And I do believe that's what we're all meant to be doing is helping others. Yeah. It is really cool when you think, I mean, I look back on the whole journey, you know, my corporate career is what taught me how to run my business now, how to market myself, how to communicate. Yeah. You have me thinking, I'm like, I have to look back on like (laughs) all these, you know, like the thyroid, although it was so long ago, I, I don't know if with COVID brain, if I could get all the way back there, but that's super interesting. I completely agree. I tell people when I'm teaching them how to detox their home and the stuff that, you know, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's overwhelming. How am I going to raise my kids? And there's no toxin-free life. And I said, listen, you know, we know this and we can make these steps, but ultimately what I want you to do is manage your stress. I love that you say, break the rules, trust yourself and break the rules. And that's your motto. And you say, it's no rules nourishment. What does no rules mean for you, Megan? No rules means for me, not living by other people's rules, living by your own rules and it not being about, I'm doing this because X, Y, Z, but I'm doing this for me. It's not a rule. It's a choice. And I really believe that that's the key. That's really the secret to truly living your healthiest, most vibrant life you know, having that, that deep connection with yourself and knowing what makes you feel good. What do you need to feel good to thrive? And it's for you and it's not for anybody else. Then all that noise and chatter of this diet and this headline can just fade away because that with the people that I work with, that is our biggest challenge, right? Is trying to tune that out and to really, I mean, it keeps us confused, keeps us stuck. Mm -hmm. And when it's a choice, it's powerful. That's empowering. You know, when it's a rule that's disempowering. And I mean, come on, we're all deep down, we're all five-year-olds, right? Like you tell me I can't have something and what am I going to do? I'm going to have it. I'm going to have it. It is why I love working with you because I went to, I was borderline gestational diabetic when I was pregnant with my son and I, they sent me to nutritionist and she's like immediately. And so this is after, you know, for those of us that have been pregnant, like you get, I mean, for me, it was like, I finally got to six months and it was like, I'm excited to eat again. And everything is amplified, like the taste, you know, I couldn't get enough of curries and stuff. And she's like, okay, so no bread, no rice, no grain, no sugar, no this. And (laughs) it was also like Christmas time. And I was just like, you're kidding me, lady. Like what? Like I'm eating less. And then I did when I was not pregnant and it was awful. So anyhow, coming to you, you get that. You're like, I'm like, oh Megan, I can't do that. And you're like, well, then don't, you know, you don't. But 
let's try it. Maybe we'll see. It could, and and if not, but you, there aren't any rules with you. Then that's what I love. It's it's tailored to each person. Well, my experience is very similar. You know, I saw on my own health journey went to a functional medicine doctor, and that's the same message I got: no gluten, no dairy, no soy, no sugar. And I was twenty five, <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what is left? Did they say no alcohol too? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. 25, uh, that's a hard one. Yes. Yes. And so I just think, I think back to that moment and what if instead of that, she took the opposite and it was your body needs nourishment. We're going to focus on just flooding your body with the best foods for it to nourish yourself and support this healing process. And that's the approach that I take with everyone I work with now, because I got there eventually, you know, it took me, it took me a while to come around the block and realize what works, but I found what works for me. And that's now what I use. And it's beautiful. Just the way you give people plenty of options. There's plenty of things on the table and you don't want the other thing, help it become a choice, not a rule. Right. But you could have gotten there so much sooner had her approach been different, you know? Yeah. I say I'm the health coach that I needed. (laughs) I think I'm like, I'm who I needed when I. If their approach, yeah, I think about that too. I I could have gotten there, but your approach was just not there. And anyhow, I mean, we have gotten to now, but that was 13 years ago. But for now, there's so many things. Your recipes are so amazing. Today, I was looking on your Instagram, which is at Megan Adams Brown, right? Megan Adams Brown. And you have up there in your uh, highlights, uh, snacks and stuff. And you had a great one today with the color green leaf and you're like, you can use it as a wrap. And I was like, I didn't even realize that. And I've got these gigantic cabbage leaves from our CSA and in my fridge. So when we're done, I'm going to go roll up some things in that. But I love that you make it easy that way. Another thing, which I didn't know, which I'm going to share too, is baking soda and getting pesticides off of our food that you can add baking soda in the water where you're rinsing your veggies. And if we can't get organic, that can help take a layer off, not the inside, obviously. Yeah. How cool is that, right? Yeah. You just soak it for 15 minutes. Yeah. You have great recipes. So it is easier. And when you look at that, I do find, and in my own approach, it's, you know, I don't take dairy anymore. I'm limited with my gluten. I do have rice. I'll have it occasionally, but honestly, I feel better. And so someone says, don't you ever miss having a hot dog or don't you miss a hamburger or ice cream? I don't eat dairy anymore. I eat coconut ice cream. I said, honestly, I don't because there's so many alternatives now and they're readily available. That's the big thing, readily available. When we were in Turks and Caicos, not so much readily available. And I ate so much gluten. (laughs) Like, you know, I stayed back in, right? But Vegan, yeah. however you want to pronounce it, but I think vegan's right. I wasn't able to do it so much, but again, no rules. So I knew that I was your voice was in my head saying, "Ah, oh, Christine, it's all right. What are you going to do? You have to." Like, yeah. I don't have Crohn's, so I have that flexibility. Well, and I always think too, it's not as much 
you know, what happens on vacation. It's what happens when you come back. Yeah. It's how quickly you get back into your routine. And that is all about your habits routine. And that's so much of what we work on. Missed it so much. I missed my yes. celery juice. Oh, yeah. right. I, I, know. I always miss my, of, yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of fresh veggies there, which I'm actually working on. I'm working on getting that to you, Turks and Caicos. So we'll see. So Megan, we're at the, the part of the podcast towards the end where I ask you what gets you to be the change. So your inspiration, when you wake up in the morning, you, I know you have twin daughters you're six years old, a husband, you have a business, you know, we have COVID, you're juggling so many things and we all encounter times when we just want to stop and give up. But what helps you to keep going? Like, why are you doing this? You could just stop. Why do you continually help others and, and get up in the morning? Wow. That's a really good question. It's because people need this information because I needed this information. I needed this. I wish I had had this. And it's my clients. It's the results that I see. I mean, there's just nothing. You just can't even put a word to it. Yeah. It's just so, so needed. And I just feel like it would be a disservice not to. And I just love it. It's, fun. It's the best kind of work. And it's my hope and prayer that it's the future of everything, that this is the future of, of our healthcare and that it is individualized and time, the time that you spend and get the story and as health coaches and that take this perspective and approach working in teams with doctors, with physicians, with all the helpers and healers, and you as a patient, having your team, I see that as the future of medicine, of care, and, and how we really stay well. I think we're always evolving. And this is the next evolution of optimizing wellness and optimizing life as opposed to tr- treating sickness and, and worrying about illness and worrying about getting sick, right? Exactly. I, for one, am grateful that you have chosen this path and I personally have benefited. So thank you, Megan. Thank you for being the change. Can you tell us where we could find you? And if we can, I don't know if you're accepting clients, if people can still work with you. I know you're pretty busy. So. Yeah. Yeah. So just like you said, I'm, I'm on Instagram. That's the main place I hang out that you can find me at Megan Adams Brown and online my website. I've got lots of recipes and a, free meal plan, a free three-day meal plan that shows my simple process. I'm all about making it easy. Like you said, Christine, you can download that there at meganadamsbrown.com. And yes, you can also sign up for a consult there on my website under work with me. I am accepting new clients right now. Great. Well, thank you, Megan. Thank you for being the change. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and are inspired. We grow with supporters and listeners like you. So please share this podcast with your community and follow us on Instagram at bethechange.nyc. And to learn more about our guests and what you can do to be the change, go to our website at www.bethechange.nyc. That's bethechange.nyc. Thank you and be well.